Well, it's great to be with you all again. Mayus is such a blessing to our Tri-State area. You guys are very fortunate to be attending all of you. Well, it's an awkward position having two dinner invitations for the same night. Maybe rare these days, as sadly, not so many people have people over for dinner. We're too busy. But there are times when possibly you could get uh, an invitation for the same night. And, and what do you do? You start to weigh the options. You think, okay, I, I'd really like to go to these folks' house because every time we go there, it, it's just so much fun. Uh, but then uh, these other folks might really be hurt if, if, if we don't go. And you try to make them both work. That's the good thing about, say, graduation parties, because usually you can at least make an appearance at each one that you're invited to. But it's clear in our passage today that the two dinner invitations are mutually exclusive. It's, it's one or the other. And the stakes are so much higher than just having more fun at one party or hurting the feelings of those who invited you to the other party. It's a matter of life and death. If we hope to be right with God, gaining wisdom from Him is not an option in this life. We either gain wisdom from Him through a relationship with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, or we perish in our folly. And let us say at the outset of this new series that all you guys are embarking on in chapel in the book of Proverbs this year, that our default mode as sinful human beings is to hear the invitation of woman folly and go headlong in her direction, ignoring the persistent call of lady wisdom. You remember Jesus' words that wide is the way that leads to destruction. A lot of people go that way. Few find the, the way of life. So may all of us here be counted among those few. And I'd like for us to pray just once more before we get into our text. Lord, thank you for Emmaus Bible College. Thank you for raising it up many, many years ago. Thanks for the faculty and staff. Thanks for all the students. Thanks for all the graduates. What a a joy it is to, to be at, at a place where your word is so highly valued. And we pray that you might speak to us from your word this morning. Equip us and mold us and make us and help us to be more effective servants for you. In Jesus' name. Well, Brooks preached from the opening verses of Proverbs a couple weeks ago. That makes sense. I mean, you start at the beginning of a book that you're going to be working through. Um, doing a series through. So it might be kind of strange today to jump all the way to chapter 9. Well, as all of you know, uh, I'm sure, Proverbs is, is quite a unique book. It's not like most books of the Bible, which are tied to some historical context and perhaps has movement from an earlier time to a later time. It's, it's really a collection of seven collections of wisdom sayings. And most of these sayings are just short one-liners, like train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But some are longer sections, like our text today. 
In the first collection of sayings, which are attributed to King Solomon, whom the Bible says was the wisest person who ever lived, sort of the Lord Jesus, runs from chapter 1 to chapter 9. So after introducing this book in the opening verses, where we read of its purpose to know wisdom and thus live wisely in reverent fear of the Lord, our chapter gives us a summary conclusion. As we've read about the ways of wisdom and folly in these first eight chapters, now our inspired author slash editor puts it all together for the reader by essentially asking the reader which way he or she will go. Follow wisdom or follow folly. And both are pictured as a woman calling out, making these personal dinner invitations. First Lady Wisdom. She's preparing quite a banquet. We read of her very careful preparations from verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Now there's been lots of suggestions on what these seven pillars are, but I think it's safest to say that this is simply suggesting a magnificent home. It is firmly, even perfectly founded. The number seven symbolizing perfection, completeness. Going on. She has slaughtered her beasts. There will be fine meats at this banquet. Plenty to eat. She has mixed her wine, perhaps indicating here mixing the wine with various spices. She has also set her table. So she is ready for her guests. Perhaps you can think of a wedding reception you may have been invited to, and you, you walk into the reception room and perhaps perhaps at a fancy hotel like the Julian here in town or something like that. You walk in the room, you see the carefully set tables with their centerpieces. You, you smell the aroma wafting out from the kitchen, and you say, this is nice. What a delight to sit down and anticipate the meal and celebration to follow. Well, such is the case with Lady Wisdom's banquet. Everything's set just waiting for people to come. Verse 3, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Lady Wisdom is wealthy. She has her obedient servants who go out to announce this feast. And the fact that it's announced from the highest places in town symbolically shows that this invitation really is coming from the one who reigns on high, from, from the Lord. And note also, this invitation to partake of Lady Wisdom's generous provisions and gifts is no secret. The invitation is out there. There are multiple messengers calling out from the most obvious places, from the highest places in town, where all could see and hear. Or we read earlier in chapter 1, 2021, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. There are those who think that divine wisdom is a secret thing. You know, you need to become one of the privileged few who are enlightened or, or read the right books or joining some secret society or following the mysterious and meticulous meditative techniques of some enlightened guru. But no, divine wisdom is so readily available to anyone who has ears to hear. Lady Wisdom's guest list for this banquet also is all-inclusive. 
Listen to the invitation. Verse 4. Whoever is simple, turn in here. Now the word simple here in this context are those with yet unformed minds. They have not yet given themselves over to the foolish and sinful ways of the world. They're naive. We might think, wouldn't that exclude everyone? Because aren't we all sinners? Yes. But the idea here is that there's still hope for change for those who hear and respond. Even in our sin, we can be simple in the sense that we admit we don't know everything and are willing to learn something new, something right, and then change our lives accordingly. And therefore, really, Lady Wisdom is no respecter of persons, anyone and everyone, regardless of their past, who comes under the hearing of this invitation is welcome. And what meaningful things Lady Wisdom offers. To him who lacks sense, she says, verse 5, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Earlier, chapter 4, 8, and 9, the simple son is told by his father, Prize her wisdom highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her she will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Wisdom offers life, life to the full. But one must leave their simple, naive, foolish ways. Again, this doesn't mean that you need to be particularly intelligent to be wise. Some years ago, the world-famous geneticist William French Anderson was convicted of a heinous crime. In a press conference, his attorney said, quote, nothing about having a 176 IQ means you have good judgment. Wisdom is so much more than intelligence or brilliance. It's about knowing and doing the good as defined by the one who is truly good. I love that statement in Psalm 19, praising the law of the Lord, his written word. It makes wise the simple. That's good to know because not many of us are the sharpest tools in the shed. So that's the invitation of Lady Wisdom. But there's that other invitation that's also reaching our ears at the very same time. Woman follies. Very interesting comparison. In contrast here, the preparations for her banquet are not so careful. In fact, there's no evidence of any real thought put into it. She's just loud. Lady Wisdom certainly was bold and assertive in sending out her invitations, nothing shy there, but woman folly is more brash than bold. And she's seductive, it says. She's so full of herself that she comes on so strong to others right in their face. But she actually knows nothing, we read. She's ignorant even of her ignorance. She just sits, plops herself down at the door of her house. And we're not giving any details of her house, but certainly no seven pillars. And no respectable servants at her beck and call. But she thinks her invitation is at the same level as Lady Wisdom's. She also takes a seat 
on the highest places of the town. She's mimicking Lady Wisdom. Woman Folly presents herself as divine wisdom coming down from on high. But here's where we see a similarity between the two women. They, they both have an all-inclusive guest list. Look at verse 4, look at verse 16. These first parts of the respective invitations are exactly the same. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And both women call out to him who lacks sense. So every person who walks by hears the same beckoning for a relationship to turn into this place to come and spend this time with her. But compare what the two women have to offer. Does woman folly have fine meats and wine? No. But what she does have, she thinks is pretty great. Her enticement, verse 17, stolen water, sweet, and bread eaten in secret, is pleasant. Meat and wine, water and bread, but hey, this water is stolen, and you're not supposed to be eating this bread. We can get away with it together, woman folly is saying. Does this sound at all familiar? Eve, I know that you're not supposed to eat the fruit from this tree, but just look at it. Mm. Why does God forbid this? He, he's trying to keep you from it because he's afraid. He's, he's afraid that your knowing good and evil will make you just like him. No, take it. Sweet. The serpent speaks through woman folly yet today. The same forbidden pleasures. Don't listen to her, this lady wisdom. You want to come into my house. What we'll do will be just between us. You'll be fully satisfied, I promise. Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner comments, quote, Eve had to be convinced that the sweetness would survive the stealing. Verse 18. But he, the simpleton who is duped by woman folly, does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Think Bates Motel. You guys are too young to know that reference. We read in chapter 20, verse 17, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward... His mouth will be full of gravel. Hey, this isn't what I was expecting. Woman folly offers temporary pleasure, but with it comes eternal pain. We'll be seeing that Lady Wisdom may offer temporary pain, you know, discipline and correction, but eternal pleasure. It's death versus life. What will you choose? after Lady Wisdom's and before Woman Folly's invitations, there's a section in the middle of this chapter which gives us, I believe, sample responses to Lady Wisdom. Will we be a scoffer or will we be wise? And as we conclude here, 
working through these middle verses, we'll be given some guidelines which should help us make the right choice. If we choose to listen to woman folly, among other things, we can expect our mind to become closed to other ideas and always find ourselves on the defensive. We read, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. This reminds us of Jesus' words not to cast our pearls before swine, that is, before those who would have no regard for the pearls and those who will viciously turn on us in response. Now, let's say in passing here that it does take a lot of discernment on our parts uh, because we don't know right away if people um, uh, we correct will be in that swine or fool category. They may have to prove it to us first. But our point here is that we don't want such a person to be us. We don't want to be the kind of person that everyone has to walk on eggshells around because we're so defensive about every little thing. That's the sign of hanging out at woman folly's place. You think you're right about everything. And how dare someone challenge or correct you? Like woman folly, you're ignorant of your own ignorance. But as we hear the call of Lady Wisdom and spend time with her, we find that wisdom is ever-growing and makes us appreciative of others' corrections. The foolish scoffers think themselves above criticism, but we read, second half of verse 8, Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Such words should make our choice pretty easy, shouldn't they? Go the way of woman folly, closed minds, hardened hearts, conflict, and stress. Go the way of lady wisdom, enlightened minds, softened hearts, growth in maturity and peace and contentment. We know we have nothing to prove, just, just lots to learn from our gracious Heavenly Father. And as we read in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But certainly God is no genie in the sky. We don't come to him on our terms, just wanting what we want, perhaps wisdom that might result in material wealth. No, we come to him on his terms. He is the all-powerful, holy God that we just sung about. How merciful and gracious of him to even consider imparting his wisdom to us through his word and his spirit. We're reminded here in verse 10, as we are elsewhere throughout the book of Proverbs, that wisdom is anchored in the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So you all really need to get that straight as you launch into this new chapel series. Biblical wisdom is not Confucius say wisdom. I'll date myself here again. Uh, I remember as a kid watching the popular TV show Kung Fu, we're not all little grasshoppers. Biblical wisdom is rooted in the character of the personal holy 
God. It all starts there, knowing that there is a God to whom we owe our very existence and who deserves our love and obedience. The psalmist calls out to all the rulers of this world who may think they have wisdom all on their own because of their great abilities or accomplishments, Psalm 2, 10 and 11, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's so ironic, isn't it? Rejoice with trembling. The fear of God brings wisdom, and with such godly wisdom, deep, abiding, reverent joy. Such great rewards as we turn into Lady Wisdom's banquet. Verses 11-12, back in our passage, elaborate. For by me, Lady Wisdom says, your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. That is, you'll be doing yourself a favor. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. You'll have no one to blame but yourself. Speaking of wisdom, in chapter 3, 16-18, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor, riches that far exceed material riches, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. But what does it mean for us today to hold her fast? It means to surrender our lives to the loving authority of Jesus Christ who is the embodiment of the wisdom of God, the New Testament tells us. To know God's wisdom is to know Jesus and to take in all that the Word of God says about Him and grow in the grace and knowledge of Him every day of our lives. Jesus, too, shouts from the highest places in town and He tells His servants, Invite everyone to this great banquet. Anyone who will come is welcome. And it's free, the most sumptuous meat, the finest wine. It's free to us, but of course, the price he paid was infinite. You think of Jesus' words, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. By his sacrifice on the cross, access was made to the all-holy, all-powerful, all-wise God. His blood was shed for our forgiveness, to atone for our sins, to reconcile us with God. But we must be wise and embrace him. The next line in Psalm 2 that we quoted a moment ago, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, kiss the Son, the Son of the living God lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who find refuge in him. Now granted, he may call us to do difficult things. He will call us to make sacrifices. He will call us to swallow our pride. He will call us to put the needs of others before our own. He will call us to be content with what we have and not desire more and more of the things of the world. All principles woman folly would scoff at. No, the wisdom of the world says, 
all about you, baby. Stolen water is sweet. And at times, her call might seem quite persuasive, especially as we see others walking through her door, perhaps others that we are quite close to. But we must resist and follow Lady Wisdom. Jim Elliot was deemed a fool by many for wanting to reach the savage so-called Aka Indians in Ecuador with the gospel. As many of you know, I'm sure, he and his whole team were slaughtered there by the riverside on January 8, 1956. But long before he made this perilous journey into the jungle, he had determined what dinner invitation to accept. Here's a page. I love this. This is his, a copy of his actual journal. And he penned some words that really have become a, a modern proverb today. They're starred there, if you can read it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So I pray for you all in this chapel this year that you'll be growing in God's wisdom through Christ, counting the cost as you go to gain what can never be taken away from you as you sit down at Lady Wisdom's table forever. Lord, thank you that you love us enough to give us your holy word. Thank you that it's right here in our own language. We can understand it, we can read it, we can apply it. How we need your Holy Spirit to help us take your word every time we read it and these words today to heart. Be glorified in each of us as we follow wisdom and turn from folly. We ask all these things for your glory and for our eternal joy. In Jesus' name, amen.